Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we're going to talk about what has changed in PR and why being in the news is still important. Um, my guest today is Alison Hill. Alison is a PR expert and owner of Current PR. Um, Alison has served as a brand steward, creative director, lead strategist, talent wrangler, promotions, and special event expert for such clients as Disney, Lego, Nickelodeon, and she is the longtime um, working with a longtime PR agency for the Peanuts brand, and has had the privilege of being Snoopy's publicist for the past 17 years. Um, so what does Snoopy have to do with being in the news? Well, Snoopy is a brand much like any other business brand, and the importance of media on whether it's a business, whether it's a medical practice, in this day and age of social media is still extremely important. And so I wanted to have Alison on the show today just so we can discuss what has changed in PR and why being in the news is, is still so important. So Alison, welcome to the Aesthetic Insider Radio Show. I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we kind of go into, you know, all the intricacies of media, why don't you, you know, let our listeners know, you know, tell us about yourself. I kind of introduced and touched on, you know, some of your past experience, but, you know, there's no one better to tell your story than you, and we, I know they're dying to hear more about you. Well, in a nutshell, I guess I would say I'm an old-school publicist with a passion about her work. Um, I really enjoy creating and implementing publicity campaigns, and especially when the end result is coverage in the media. To me, that's the ultimate compliment. I mean, when my team and I tell a story that the press feels is worthy of sharing with their audience, to me, there's no better compliment than that. Oh, absolutely. I, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, we have, you know, represented, you know, doctors, especially and fitness experts to the media for many years. And it's just, it's so exciting when you land that placement and the media person says, yes, I love the story and I want to run with it. Um, Alison, tell us what originally drew you to working in the media. The truth is my first major in college was acting. Uh, I really wanted to be an actress, but it didn't take me long to figure out I didn't have the talent, the looks, and probably most importantly, the ego to make it as an actor. So I started looking around for something I could do behind the scenes in entertainment, and I quickly gravitated towards publicity. So here I am today. Here you are. Here you are. And that's a little secret about you. I never knew that you had originally wanted to be an actor. (laughs) Kind of interesting. So you're behind the camera instead of in front of it, um, where you have much more control. (laughs) Well, you know, I touched on on some of your work, you know, but I I, I think, you know, you can, again, tell better the industries that you generally represent within the entertainment world. Well, over the years, I've represented just about every industry you can think of, except perhaps what you do, which is medical PR. I mean, I've done home goods, toys, video, apparel, fashion of all kinds, just about everything you can think of. But um, right now, I mainly stick with entertainment and brands that are in the entertainment industry. But what industries do you represent, Angela? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, in in my world, we you know we have been you know long time in the aesthetic industry and more the medical aesthetic industry, and so we have represented you know many doctors to the media who and and they they hire us because they want to increase their patient base or they've developed a new technique or they just have something they feel is newsworthy. Um, you know, the media loves plastic surgery especially, and so, you know, that's something oh, yeah. that is always in the news. I mean, there isn't a day goes by that there isn't a plastic surgery story somewhere, you know, and so that that's kind of been a big industry for us. And we also have worked with many of the leading manufacturers who provide, you know, the fillers, the injectables, the technology behind some of these exciting procedures. And, and then, you know, we have ventured into fitness industry and, and beauty in general, um, but I would say medical aesthetics is, is really kind of what we're known for. Um, much like you are known as the publicist of Snoopy, so I'd love to <laughs> <laughs> That I want to hear more about. I just, I mean, I love Snoopy. I don't know anybody who doesn't love Snoopy, and so I do want to hear just more about how do you continue to keep Snoopy relevant and find new media opportunities as often as you do? Well, it's actually easier than you would think. I mean, Charles Schultz, who, of course, is the genius behind the Peanuts brand, created close to 18,000 comic strips during his 50 years of drawing the strip. And that's a lot of material. And during that time, he touched upon just about every conceivable, relatable topic you can imagine. I mean, just to give you a few examples, he covered family dynamics, especially sibling rivalries, like between Lucy and Linus and Sally and Charlie Brown, unrequited love, like the little red-haired girl that Charlie Brown always, you know, was so in love with, Um, sports. He was a big baseball fan and football, ice skating, tennis, swimming, golfing, surfing, skateboarding, the Olympics, which are coming up, of course. He even covered the first uh, man walking on the moon. And then politics, he covered that a lot. He even covered fashion. And of course, everyone remembers the holidays, like it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, a Charlie Brown Christmas, be my Valentine, Charlie Brown. It's the Easter Beagle. I mean, the list goes on and on. So as marketers, the team's challenge wasn't that we didn't have enough content. We have tons of content in which to draw upon. But we need to find new ways to integrate this content into today's zeitgeist. So let me just give you four examples if, if we have time. Oh, absolutely. No, I would, I would love to hear more because I think – you know, like we said, it's like you've you've represented this brand for well, you for 17 years, but you know, it's 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 Snoopy's been around a lot longer than that, and and yeah. even in this day and age, everybody knows who he is, and so how, and and people do want to know how do they how do I keep my business relevant in the news all the time? So yes, please share some examples. Yeah, yeah, Snoopy is 70 years old, if you can believe it. So. The first example is Snoopy and Belle in fashion. And what we no, did he is hasn't we recruited... aged a day. <laughs> I know, he really hasn't, has he? <laughs> I mean, being in medical aesthetics, he's, whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> he's never needed any plastic surgery. Sorry, Angela. <laughs> um, the first campaign I wanted to mention is Snoopy and Bell in Fashion. And what we did is we recruited couture designers like Mark Jacobs and Diane von Furstenberg and Isaac Mizrari. And they created these mini designs for mini Snoopy and Bell dolls. And by the way, Bell is Snoopy's sister. She lives in Paris. 
And okay. then we sent these dolls, yeah, we sent these dolls around the world, and it was like the coolest canine fashion exhibition, exhibition you could ever imagine. And it's very popular. There are hundreds of dolls in the uh, exhibit. The designers just love it. And some of, it's just some of the coolest designs you could ever feature of these little mini miniature Snoopy and Bells that are traveling everywhere. Um, and then the second campaign is called Peanuts Rocks the Vote, which we tied to the 2012 and 2016 presidential elections. And as part of the campaign, we enlist board of celebrities like Alec Baldwin, Kay Diggs, and Whoopi Goldberg, and they taped these mock PSAs. They were hilarious. And they asked the public to vote for one of the Peanuts characters for president, you know, either Snoopy for president or Charlie Brown for president, you name it. And they were done, you know, very funny PSAs, mock PSAs, asking to vote for your favorite character. But then at the end of each PSA, the fans were directed to a website where they could register to vote in the real election. So it had a real good um, message at the end, and the, the point was to encourage people to really get out and vote. And then in 2019, we collaborated with seven contemporary artists who integrated their signature style with the Peanuts characters. And this was a huge thing. The Schultz family had never allowed any other artists to merge their signature styles with Peanuts. So this was a huge deal that they allowed outside artists to get involved with the Peanuts characters. And they created these large-scale murals that we place strategically around the world, everywhere from Paris to New York City to San Francisco, Mexico City, Japan, you name it. And they were just these huge murals that would pop up out of nowhere. And um, it was just fans went crazy for it. And then currently uh, we're producing the International Take Care with Peanuts initiative. And this promotes good global citizenship through three themes take care of yourself, take care of each other, and take care of the earth. Schultz did a lot of comic strips about the environment. And so take care of the earth in particular is a huge initiative for us right now. And this particular campaign has a lot of different messages to it. We have original peanuts videos, free lesson plans, and of course a lot of philanthropy. Like we're planting hundreds of thousands of trees around the world. So there's a lot going on. There always has been. And as I said, there's never a lack of material. And I just feel so grateful to be a part of it. I am not the creator of any of these campaigns. I want to make sure I make that clear. There's a group of just amazing marketers out of New York that put these campaigns together. And I just have got the honor of helping to promote them and publicize them for these marketing geniuses. But enough about Snoopy. Um, Angela, I'd like to learn more about medical PR and what you're finding is effective for doctors and nurses in the aesthetic industry, especially in terms of being able to position themselves in the news more frequently. What's, what's going on there? Yeah, you know, there has been, you know, over the years, you know, there's, um, you know, there's TV shows like The Doctors, which is a, a daytime, you know, um, television show, and it's all about medical things. And so they cover, there is actually a kind of like a resident plastic surgery um, anchor on the show. He's he's a, a doctor, Dr. Andrew Auden. He's, he's based in Palm Springs, but he is kind of like the, the main guy on the show for plastic surgery. But 
they do have a lot of guests on in who are you know nearly all always doctors or nurses or people associated and the show covers everything from head to toe inside and out of medical issues, problems, concerns, um, but they do always tend to have something on plastic surgery. So that is a really desirable show for a, you know, medical aesthetic person to be on because, you know, it's a daytime show, it's it's uh, broadcast on CBS, it's a huge, huge worldwide audience, you know, and so they like that. Um, you know, there have been over the years, you know, like we worked with E! Entertainment Television, so when you talk about entertainment PR... Oh. You know, it's interesting that, that, like, E, it covers plastic surgery, you know. I mean, there's a show, Botch, oh. that is currently running. They they had a long-time show, Dr. 90210, which is now, you know, in franchise and still airs around the world. Um, they're not currently producing on that particular show. They did last year, and we, we worked with the show for the uh, Dr. 90210, but it was female plastic surgeons. And so that was, you know, good to see kind of women in the industry getting recognition. And there are more female, you know, females in medicine in general, but definitely in the plastic surgery, the dermatology, the cosmetic dermatology, you know. And so that's all exciting. But then there's many people, you know, who on a local level, you know, they can position themselves in more localized news. You know, just about every small town has an ABC, CBS, NBC affiliate, as well as a local television show or, you know, newspaper, magazines. And so, you know, we can help with, you know, the, the local PR. So in our firm, you know, we don't necessarily represent just one thing within the medical community. You know, we we represent some physicians and manufacturers on a national and international level. You know, many are in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, of course, is a draw to anyone from around the world. Uh, you know, they always want to know what's going on. And it really is kind of the epicenter in, in L.A. is just in terms of, I mean, really everything. You know, if it doesn't happen in L.A., it's not happening anywhere. <laughs> you know, in, yeah, in terms of, of, of health, beauty, fitness, fashion, it's L.A. is the place. Um, you know, so that's good. And, it, and for us, it's been, it's been exciting, and, it, and it's interesting to see, you know, you talk about keeping things relevant is it does seem that there are trends even in the plastic surgery industry where, you know, our current trend we are seeing is in the non-invasive, non-surgical fillers and injectables. And that's really because of the age group of the patient base that has just grown exponentially, you know, with so many younger people looking to enhance themselves. Um you know, social media has um, influenced more cosmetic procedures because of people seeing themselves on Zoom, taking selfies, you know, maybe, you know, you've ah. seen yourself in on video camera and thinking, oh, well, I don't like the way my face shadows, uh, you know, that, that small bump on my nose or that little bit under my chin, you know, that I would like to not have. And so the, the <laughs> last the last two years has been just cosmetic, non-invasive cosmetic procedures have skyrocketed. And so, you know, then that makes it more competitive, of course. I mean, there's lots of patients to go around, but physicians, you know, they they get more competitive. They may see another doctor who they don't feel is as qualified as them, on TV or on a show, 
so they're like, you know, well, if they're on the show, I want to be on the show because I feel I'm more qualified. I have been in practice longer. I've treated more patients, you know. And so that's really kind of what I'm seeing is it's, it's just been an explosion in the news. Um, you know, we, we did have last year where, of course, much of the medical news was kind of pandemic-related, and that's changed now. You know, media is coming back to focusing on, as I'm sure you've seen too, on on all the news stories. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of an exciting time. You know, we've, we've worked with, you know, many shows, Good Morning America, you know, we had a, a fitness company that, you know, we've we've kind of, you know, back in the day had on the Regis and Kathy Lee show. And, you know, and so we, we still work, you know, on a regular basis with, you know, even, you know, New York shows as well as L.A.-based shows. And like I said, a lot of, you know, more local regional news outlets because, you know, of course, there are doctors in every city. You know, yeah, and so, in yeah. your industry, it's... It's so important to be in the news because it's so much more credible, you know, to be able to say that you were in the news as a doctor is you need that credibility. So oh, absolutely. You know, and that's that was kind of, you know, that I do feel is, you know, like I, I like for all PR clients that that are being seen on broadcast T V and featured in the traditional news such as the New York Times, it's still important an important uh, PR strategy, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's 119 million online subscribers alone in the New York Times, and you can't get that kind of platform, uh, you know, on social media. I mean, and it's credible, too. It's not just that you have fans following you. You have a credible source that you just can't – that's like gold. You know, it's it's the top of the – the premier platform that you can get to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and working, you know, with, with the New York Times, as you know, being in PR is not easy. I mean, it's not like you just pick up the phone and the New York call up the story and they, you know, say, hey, yeah, that's great. We'll do it. We'll run it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. not that easy, you know. And so I think we can go into a little bit on, on tips and things. Um but, you know, but it is, and you land, like we, we mentioned earlier, you land a New York Times article or an, even an L.A. Times article, you know, a Vogue magazine. I mean, it's just priceless. It is just priceless. And so I absolutely agree with you with you on there. You know, and then you do mention social media. So do you think it's, it's possible to have an effective social media-only PR campaign, you know, or only campaign? Because I, I do have... You know, some physicians who say, oh, you know, I'm not doing PR because I do social media. And it's like, you know, you kind of like, you know, look at the numbers. of, And I know some of, you know, some people have huge followings, but you said they're fans already. And well, this yeah. This is bringing in new fans. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, and but, the endorsement know, of, of a credible news outlet. Absolutely. And really, it only works if you're Beyonce or someone at that level and you have 188 million followers on Instagram and you might want to communicate directly with your fans. That way you have complete control over what is said and the traditional press can just quote what you've shared in your feed and stories. But most of us do not have that luxury. We don't have that kind of control or power in the social media sphere. So, you know, you really need that extra platform that only a legitimate news outlet can give you. Um, and, 
if you have to pick one over the other, I would still pick traditional PR way above social media. It's just, it's too fleeting, you know, especially in the medical field where you're doing very intricate, uh, very serious stories. You you can't just post a, a photo and make that the story. You, you know, you talk about something like Vanity Fair to do a well-rounded story that that Vanity Fair would run, which is something you would want, you need more than 280 characters like a Twitter, you know, message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I, I do? And I mean, this is in, in my world anyway, and I, I don't know about in, in your world, but I would imagine, I mean, PR is PR, is is really, you know, and you just kind of nailed it on the head right there with the 218 characters, <laughs> 280 characters. When, you know, I feel like part of PR is really is educating the media about your client, which you can't do in such, oh. you know, in, in that number of characters. I mean, you know, and, it's, and it even goes beyond a press release. I mean, it's not just, well, write a press release and send a press release. If the media doesn't understand who or what you are, and again, especially in, in medical, <laughs> but again, I think it's, it's, you know, food industry, entertainment industry, is, you know, you have to educate them, and that takes time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you have to know the reporter's style and their audience. You have to be able to communicate on their level and what they're interested in. You know, every reporter has their own particular style, and what works for a business reporter doesn't necessarily work for an entertainment reporter. They all have different angles that they're coming at for a particular story. Yeah, exactly. Even in health and beauty, like, you know, we do, we, we kind of pair health and beauty together. But a health writer is or producer is very different than a beauty writer or producer. Oh, very. You know, I mean, they have completely yeah. different approaches to how they write, how they research, how they produce a story. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, you know, um, I feel that media, I mean, again, I've been doing PR for over 35 years now, and, and clearly you've been doing it for a long time, too. Um, <laughs> and, and and I've seen changes, I mean, many changes, you know, from kind of when I first started to where we are now. I mean, it has dramatically changed. And, and one of which is that, you know, while there appears to be so many more news outlets, um, you know, and so many more reporters, they're not as easy, easily accessible as they used to be. So what tips can you offer to our listeners to help them secure a media placement? Well, just based on what I just sort of alluded to, first of all, you need to know your reporter and their audience. This is extremely important. You can't just I, – I, in fact, I once had an L.A. Times editor say to me that so many publicists will pick up the phone and act like they're just ordering a pizza – you know, and that they're going to get a story that way by just, you know, talking to a reporter that way. And no, it doesn't work that way. You need to read and analyze the recent stories so you can get the gist of their style. And for example, if you're pitching a movie, the business reporter is going to be more interested in the box office receipts and the budget for the film and all the financial data whereas the entertainment reporter might enjoy learning fun facts about the making of the movie and the behind-the-scenes, you know, drama that went on with the celebrities and so forth. So those are coming at it from two completely different angles, and you need to be aware of that 
when you're contacting the, the reporter so that you know what their interests are and you're coming at it from an angle that they can use and will be of interest to their audience. And the same holds true for TV reporters. They're going to be coming at it from completely different angles, so you need to watch and analyze their coverage for at least a week before you even think about pitching them. So that would be tip number one. And then tip number two is that if time permits, and this may be a luxury you don't have, but if it does, you should get to know the reporter before you even need to pitch them. And you can do this by following them on social media. Talk about how you can use social media to your benefit. This is a good way to do it. Start following them and comment on their stories and like their stories. Get to a point where your, your name starts to be familiar to them and they don't feel like you're just calling them out of the blue and ordering a pizza, you know? You're actually engaging with them, and you know the industry, and you're familiar with what they're writing, and, you know, you've got a, a, a relationship going there over social media, so it's not so awkward when you finally do need to call them. Um, and then tip number three is reach out to them via email. And when you do, try to refer to something you read in one of their previous articles if it relates to your story. You know, that is a key thing to think about. If you saw something that they wrote that has something to do with your, what you're then going to be calling them about, be sure to mention that at the top of your email. Now, that only works if it's a true connection. Only do that if it's a true connection. If it doesn't, then, then don't try to make it work, you know, because it'll look contrived if it's not a true connection. Tip number four is keep your subject header short. Your subject header is probably the most important part of your entire email. And I recommend no more than nine words and 60 characters so it's easy to read both on your laptop and your mobile device. So many times, you know, we're looking at our, our emails now on our mobile devices. And if your subject header isn't of interest, they're not going to open the email. So this is really an important uh, thing to be aware of, and you have to get really creative in your subject headers. And then tip number five is this, this may sound obvious, but always customize the email. It should say, Dear Allison, not Dear Editor or Dear Sir. You want to make sure that you've customized it to the particular reporter that you're writing to. So those are just a few basic tips that may be handy to some of you. You know, that's really great. That, that, those are really great tips, and I, I couldn't agree more with you on all of those. Um, you know, we mentioned the press release earlier, which, you know, um, and you, you, you just said about, you know, people who call and, sound like they're ordering pizza, um, well, which is unbelievable, but I guess it happens. But do you believe a press release is still a necessary part of the PR pitch? Well, you know, I know there's an ongoing debate about this, but I still think it's necessary, perhaps more now than ever before. And that's because news staff are so lean and mean. They got even leaner when COVID hit. I know of sports reporters that have been pulled off the sports desk to write about COVID. I mean, news desks are just scrambling right now. So if you can provide an accurate, concise, short press release that they can use for the basis of a story, you are saving them so much time. They're not going to use the entire press release. That's not the point. The point is you're giving them information that they would have to look up elsewhere. 
So you're saving them some valuable time. But I think where people get it wrong is they think that they can just send the press release then, and that's all they need to do. No, no, your first communication with someone should be that email, the e-pitch, which is uh, something that is very short and pithy and gets their attention. And then you add the press release to that. I mean, what do you think, Angela? Are you for or against the press release? Oh, no, I'm totally for the press release. I mean, I, I definitely think it's, it's necessary. And, you know, you can always, you know, mention the press release that there's more background information. If they, they want that, you don't have to send all of it at once. But, no, I agree with you. And, and I agree with, you know, like you said, it's like the, you know, the newsroom isn't quite as, as loaded with staff as it used to be. And so, you know, if you, you want someone, you want to get noticed, you know, you only have one chance to make a first impression. <laughs> and so, exactly. you know, that's really it. Um, what tips do you have for an effective media pitch message? Well, you know, again, you talk as about, I like, the, said before. Yeah, the subject. Go ahead. No, 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 you, yeah, you, know, you that, were saying it's Yes, that's, again, it starts with the subject header. I can't stress that enough. It's got to be enticing enough for them to want to open the email. And, you know, believe it or not, know what works for Snoopy? Just something simple. Snoopy calling Angela. That's what I put in the subject header every time. Just Snoopy calling, you know, and then the name of the reporter. And the reason it works is because it's short, it's customized. Everyone likes to see their name in the subject header. And you immediately know what the topic is. It has to do with Snoopy. And people get a kick out of it because it makes it sound like Snoopy is a real person. You know, a real person, Snoopy, is calling them. And so you need something catchy like that that's going to grab their attention and want them to read more. And then once the reporter has opened your email, again, keep it short and sweet, no more than three to five lines in the body of the email, and then refer them to the press release if they want all the details. That's really the key to it is keep it short and sweet in the body of the email and then always have the press release available if they want all the details. Yeah. You know, and we, we you did kind of touch on, you know, people think they can just send out a, an email and then, and then they're done. And, of course, you rely on email. You know, but what other approaches, you know, I mean, do you still use snail mail or telephone calls? Or, you know, what is your approach to, you know, continuing follow-up? Gosh, I wish I could use the phone. Um, you know, there's an ongoing debate about that, too, whether it's kosher to leave a voicemail anymore. I still do it, but I know the younger generation thinks leaving voicemails is just the kiss of death. But I find it still effective. <laughs> but, I do, uh, too. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think snail mail is a wise choice. Um, nobody wants to get unsolicited unsolicited, uh, potentially germ-infested mail. And the post office is so short-staffed that there's no guarantee your letter or package would even arrive in a timely manner. So I don't recommend snail mail at all. Email is still your best, and then, you know, I sometimes will follow up by phone or a second email, which we'll get into later. But um, definitely email is your best bet. Now, if you do have, like, a product sample to send, if you ask permission and the reporter has said, yes, that's fine, I want to see your product sample, then go ahead and send. Send away. 
but always ask permission. Don't ever send something unsolicited. And then in that case, I would send via FedEx or UPS. I, again, would not rely on the post office. But really, email is still number one, in my opinion. Now, you know, you talked about social media platforms, and I, and I do think that that is, you know, still a topic of discussion for us. And, you know, and I think we've come to the the agreement anyway that we both feel traditional PR going on television in news magazines and, and print publications and online publications is still, you know, ahead of just only a social media platform. But do you feel, you know, like the platforms such as, you know, the Twitter, the Instagram, are better methods to make a connection? Um, what's your finding on that? Uh, you know, not really. I guess if you know the reporter on a, a personal level, then yes. If you've, you've developed a relationship with them, then yes, fine. It's gone beyond just the professional side of things. But if you're, if you're just getting to know them, the only way I use Twitter sometimes is to ask a reporter for their email address. If I can't seem to find it, I might DM them and say, could I get your email address? But, again, I'm just using it to get their email address. Um, and, in fact, I noticed in a recent survey of about 2,400 journalists that um, they found that 94% still prefer pitches by the old-fashioned email. So there you have it. Um, we're beating yeah. a dead horse here, but email is still number one. And, in fact, only about 12% said they were open to receiving pitches on Twitter. So, you know, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, but – you know, there you have it. Stick with the email. Stick with the tried and true. Yeah, and I and I kind of agree with you there. You know, but I and I do. I mean, I do know. You know, like um, sometimes I've seen news stories where you know it has been that reporters have seen something on Twitter that somebody has posted, but it wasn't necessarily a PR pitch. You know, it was uh. it was like a real life incident of something that happened, and then that news you know news reporter has taken that as a news story and. And, and ran with it, you know, and so I, you know, I think there's, there is a place for Twitter and Instagram and everything else, but I don't know if it's, you know, like you said, it's the right place to be trying to make connections, but I think what you said earlier about, you know, following somebody to kind of get to see what they what they do report on, you know, is how they write, how they, they interact, I, I think it's a great way for that. Um, I have a question, yeah. you know, because, you know, the the questions that, you know, obviously for our listeners is, you know, they understand, they'll, they'll understand after today's, you know, interview with you kind of what we do. But if a listener, you know, decided that they want to directly pitch the media, what top actions should they take to be successful? Well, we've touched on some of this, so let's just summarize quickly. Um, again, know your reporter and their audience. Write a short, catchy subject header, no more than nine words and 60 characters. Write the body of the email in three to five sentences. Write and attach your press release. Add a photo if your story is visual. We haven't touched much on the format or uh, content in a press release, but you want to keep that as short as possible. One page is ideal. Uh, and then follow up, you know, go ahead and send it off. Follow up the next day with a short note at the top if you haven't heard back. Give it another day or so and send a third email as a follow-up. And then if you haven't heard back, move on. You've given it three times, and that's plenty. And if you haven't heard back, then, you know, it means they're probably not yeah. interested. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I agree with that. And, you know, sometimes it is interesting because we may send a press release out and six months later <laughs> we get someone oh, who responds yeah. to it, you know. That is true. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, don't kind of give up completely, but you definitely have to move on or you cannot keep hounding uh, a person. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Now, and then, so we've talked about if somebody wanted to directly pitch the, me- the media. If one of our, you know, listeners wanted to hire a PR firm such as Current PR or TPI Media Group, you know, what are the top questions they should ask to evaluate if the PR firm they are talking to is the right fit for them? Well, the number one question I would ask is who would be working on my account? There's sort of a a trend that goes on in agencies where they'll trot out the president of the firm or the top, you know, senior management while they are wooing you and pitching you for new business. And then once you sign on the contract, you're given a junior publicist to actually work on the account. You want to avoid that from happening by asking to meet the players, the, you know, the account team that's going to be working on your account once you sign on. And it's okay if there are a few junior people, but you want to make sure there's also a senior person involved on your account every step of the way. And then you also want to know how they bill. Do they bill by the hour or a monthly retainer? And these are the most two common billing practices. I personally think you get more bang for your buck on a retainer, but that's, that's just me. And then you should also ask for a detailed list of what your budget is buying you. And just quickly, among the items in a publicity campaign that are usually covered in a budget are media list curation, e-pitch and press release writing, media outreach, press release distribution, media follow-up, spokesperson coaching, and clip tracking via Google Alerts. How about you, Angela? Do you have other you know, questions that you would... You know, you know what? Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. I think, you know, on my end in, in the medical PR is... I do think it's important, you know, as we've talked about the difference in, you know, even health and beauty writers, but I I do think it's important that for somebody hiring an an agency, that they're hiring an agency with a background in the business niche that they're in, you know. um, Yes. You know, and then, and I, do, you know, I do think, you know, entertainment people can represent plastic surgeons because it's kind of entertainment, you know, <laughs> but don't necessarily expect that person to be able to get, you know, in with the science writer of the New York Times. But exactly, you know, you know so it's more, you know, and so I do think that 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 is kind of one thing, you know, that is important. And then I would just say, you know, my my second thing is also, you know, ask for referrals of, you know, satisfied customers and, you know, and if, you know, maybe someone you can talk to just to, you know, get a clear understanding because one thing I do feel for a lot of people is they think, well, I've hired a PR agency now, so I'm going to be on TV next week. And and that's not <laughs> necessarily the case. Sometimes it could take a couple of no. months, which I know oh, it is for us. It's so hard. It's like because we want to have a success right out the door. But sometimes it can take some time to kind of get the ball rolling, to get the right pitch, to get the right story into the hands of the right person. So, I mean, those would be my my two things. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if, um, you know, I, I think, you know, my my last thing would just really be to kind of do your homework, you know, is, is do your homework on the agencies, the types of agencies, the 
or the individuals, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just hiring a, a single PR person who's good at what they do and they have a small group of clients, you know, not you know, not necessarily being with a bigger agency is the right thing and sometimes being with a bigger agency is the right thing. Um, you know, so so that would be be my 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 main things I would say. Um Alison, I think, you know, the my really my, my last question to you, do you have any questions for me? I think we've kind of covered just about everything. Ooh, yeah, I think can. we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, this has been fun. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and then you know, my last—I mean, I'd love to have you on the show. We may have to do this again and, and try and get a little bit more in depth. Uh, um, but anyway, I think you know, if one of our audience, you know, members does does want to contact you, Alison, um, to ask you any questions or to you know discuss the services of Current PR, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, email is best, talking about email, and that's Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at current, C-U-R-R-E-N-T-P-R, like public relations at the end. So Allison at currentpr.com. Okay, great. And how and about you? Me- yeah, yeah, you know, well, for me, you know, um, listeners obviously can contact me here at the Aesthetic Insider Show, um, or they can call our office at 949-768-1522 to discuss things further. Well, Alison, I have just loved having you on the show. It's been so fun. So It's so much fun. I, I'm going to go online now and do a little bit of looking at Snoopy. <laughs> I think I'm going to follow Snoopy on Twitter. <laughs> so you see what he's been oh, up be to, great. what news stories you've been placing for him. That would be great. That'd be great. Well, Alison, thank you so much again for being on Aesthetic Insider Radio, and I look forward to having you back as a guest sometime in the future. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.